Okay. Yes, we got some key things there. So we are in the book of Genesis. So if you have a Bible, turn to Genesis. If you don't have a Bible and you have a phone, find the book of Genesis and we can uh, be there. Uh, if you need help, look at someone that looks like they know what they're doing. Uh, but we've been studying the book of Genesis and we've been studying the, the life of a person named Joseph. And Joseph, he had a very, very interesting life. He grew up really a nobody. He grew up in the country uh, and he grew up the, the favorite son of his father. So his father, he had 13 kids, he had four wives, and he was the favorite son, the firstborn son of his favorite wife. And we see that during his childhood, he was the favorite in his father's household, and his brothers despised him. And his brothers despised him so much that they sold him into slavery, right? You guys thought your family drama was all messed up, but this is like a whole nother level, right? So his brothers, they sold him into slavery, and he comes into Egypt as a slave, as a nobody, as a foreigner, as a countryman in the urban setting, right? This is culture shock. This is crazy. He's 17 years old. Life is just like falling apart all in front of him. And he comes in as a slave and he ascends and he becomes the prime minister of the nation of Egypt, which at the time is the most powerful nation in the world. Hello, somebody, right? This is incredible. So he starts as a nobody. He started at the bottom and now he's here, right? And so he ascended. He became the prime minister of uh, Egypt, and we see that where we are in the story, he's leading Egypt through seven years of famine. So there's a horrible drought in the land, not just here in Egypt, but in, in all the land. There's a horrible famine, and we see that Joseph is leading Egypt, and that they're, they're having great success. There's bread, there's grain in Egypt amidst this famine. And as we study this out, we saw that this drought, this famine, uh, God used it and that the Lord desires to use these seasons of famine and these seasons of drought in our own lives, right? We can think of ways and times where we've experienced a spiritual famine in our lives and the Lord desires to use these seasons of famine to reveal sin and to bring repentance from us. And it was in this season that the very brothers that sold Joseph into slavery would show up in Egypt searching for food. And so they attempted to purchase food from Joseph. And we see that Joseph doesn't accept their money because we can't purchase our salvation. But instead, he freely gives bread. He freely gives grain. He freely gives food to his brothers. And by the end of their interaction with Joseph, they still don't recognize him. They have no idea that this is the bread that they sold him to slavery. Um, but they do come face to face with their sin. They realize that the bad things that are happening to them aren't just happening to them. But man, God is dealing with them because of the sin that they committed, the trespass that they committed against their brother. But rather than truly repenting, we see that they turn back to their old lives and they end up going back to the land of Canaan. And the, the statement that we left on last time is that you can try to live without Jesus, but you'll starve, right? And that's what we see, uh, you know, this week in, in the reality of the lives of Joseph's brothers. Uh, Joseph, as we studied it out, and as we've been looking at the study, is this beautiful picture and type. For those of you who don't know, the, the Bible is an incredible picture book, right? And we can look and we can see pictures and types in this book of what's to come. And in the life of Joseph, we see a picture and a type of the person Jesus, and Jesus is the most profound person to ever walk this earth because he was fully God and fully man. And he never sinned. And he laid down his life to, to give you life, right? So Jesus is a big deal. We literally tell time by Jesus, right? 
BC, before Christ, you know, AD, in the year of our Lord. That, that's the place marker that, that we hold time by. This book is the most profound book ever written, whether you are, you know, spiritual or, or not. Like this book has changed the course of human history. It's incredible. And so we're going to see what's happening in the lives of Joseph, of Joseph and his brothers after this crazy encounter where they come to Egypt, where they get grain, and when they go back home. And so let's pray. Uh, we're going to look over uh, the 43rd chapter of Genesis. And so, uh, Lord, I just pray that you would bless our time together. Uh, man, it's been a long day. I already feel my, my tongue tying. And uh, Lord, you know, I'm a nobody and I'm not eloquent and I don't have anything to give, uh, but your word is so, so powerful and it's so exciting. Uh, and, and you desire to speak to us and to teach us. And so Lord, despite myself, I pray that you would communicate today as we study your word. Praise in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so let's start by reading uh, the first, I don't know, 15 verses in Genesis 43. Uh, and I'll warn you, the first half of Genesis 43 has less to do with Joseph and has more to do with Joseph's father, Israel, and his brothers. And, and what we've been doing is a, a character study on the life and the person of Joseph. And so we're going to really just breeze over the first half of this chapter, and we're going to zero in and narrow in on the life of Joseph in the second half of this chapter. And so verse, four, uh, verse 1 of chapter 43 says, and the famine was sore in the land. And it came to pass when they had eaten up the corn, which they had brought out of Egypt, their father said unto them, go again, buy us a little food. And Judah spake unto him, saying, the man did solemnly protest unto us, saying, ye shall not see my face, except your brother be with you. If thou wilt send our brother with us, we will go down and buy the food. But Thou wilt not send him, uh, we will not go down. For the man said unto us, Ye shall not see my face except your brother be with you. And Israel said, Wherefore dealt ye so ill with me, as to tell the man whether ye had yet a brother? And they said, The man asked us straightly of our state and of our kindred, saying, Is your father yet alive? Have ye another brother? And we told him according to the tenor of these words. Could we certainly know that he would say, bring your brother down? And Judah said unto Israel, his father, send the lad with me, and we will arise and go, that we may live and not die, both we and thou, and also our little ones. I will be sure before him, of my hand shalt thou require him. If I bring him not unto thee and set him before thee, then let me bear the blame forever. For except... We had lingered, surely now we had returned the second time. And their father Israel said unto them, If it must be so now, do this. Take of the best fruits of the land in your vessels and carry down the man at present, a little balm and a little honey, spices and myrrh, nuts and almonds, and take double money in your hands. And the money that was brought again in the mouth of your sacks, carry it again in your hand. Peradventure, it was an oversight. Take also your brother and arise, go again unto the man. And God Almighty give you mercy before the man, that he may send away your other brother and Benjamin. If it be uh, bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. 
And the men took that present and they took double money in their hand and Benjamin and rose up and went down to Egypt and stood before Joseph. Okay, so this is the, the first half of the passage. And the passage begins with the famine was sore in the land, right? In verse two, we learn that Israel's household once again is out of food, right? They're, they're out of corn. They need it lest they die. And remember, one of the key pictures that we've seen in the study of Joseph is that he is the most perfect type. He's the most perfect picture of Jesus Christ in our entire Bible. And just as the household of Israel could not survive outside of Joseph's provision, spiritually, we too starve outside of the provision of our Lord Jesus Christ. Israel once again sends his sons on a venture to Egypt to purchase corn. And once again, Israel is confronted with the reality that this mission is impossible unless he's willing to allow Benjamin to go with his brothers. And for those of you who haven't been with us, this is a big deal. So Israel, again, he has 13 kids. He's got four wives. His favorite son, he let him go, and he, he mysteriously died. He was killed, and he never came back home. And so ever since then, he's been very, very cautious. He's been very, very protective of his next favorite son. He's very reluctant and hesitant to let him go with his brothers because he's fearful that his next favorite son might perish, might never come back. And in this passage, we see the beginning of an incredible change of heart. Again, Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery. And it wasn't just any brother. Judah, his brother, came up with the idea. If we look at Genesis 37, verses 26 through 27, it says, And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? What, what do we gain out of killing our brother? Instead, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites. Let's sell him into slavery. That way we can pad our wallets, right? And so it's Judah's idea to sell his brother into slavery. And now in the story, we see that, that Judah's idea to sell him into slavery, uh, instead of, of trying to get rid of Benjamin, the other favorite son, he's willing to offer his own life as surety for him, right? So we're starting to see a change of heart in the life of Judah. It's funny to see this come full circle. And I'm so excited as we continue to study the life of Judah to see full repentance come in his life. In verse 11, we see that some of Israel's old tactics come into play. Um, for those of us who are, are with us on Sunday mornings, uh, we saw as we studied Genesis 32 uh, that Jacob, in preparing to meet Esau, he sent gifts ahead, right? He's sending all these gifts ahead, trying to gain favor, and, and almost as like a a peace offering, this diplomatic peace offering to amend any bad blood that he had with his brother. And we see this tactic arise again in this chapter. And so we see that, that Israel, that Jacob is sending the, these peace offerings, the, the best that the land of Cana has to offer, the, this fruit, these vessels, this balm, he's sending it ahead to give to, to the ruler in Egypt that they might find favor with him. And then in verse 14, uh, before sending his sons, we see that he prays a blessing over his sons, that God Almighty would grant mercy. That, that word God Almighty, it's El Shaddai, right? The Almighty God would grant them mercy. And so that brings us to the, the latter half of the chapter. And this brings us to the title of the message today. It's called The House of Joseph. The House of Joseph. In verse 16, it says, and when Joseph saw Benjamin with him, 
he said to the ruler of his house, bring these men home and slay and make ready for these men shall dine with me at noon. And the man did as Joseph bade and the man brought the men into Joseph's house. And so our key point number one is that Jesus wants to sup and to dwell with you. Jesus wants to sup and to dwell with you. To sup means to, to eat. He wants to, just like we had a meal together, he wants to, to break bread, to share food with you. And to dwell with means to live with. He wants to be with you. He wants to be in your presence. And guys, this passage, it gets me like, just so amped up and like eager. Like this is so, so cool what we're reading. Again, these sons of Israel, they have no idea who Joseph is. They have no idea that this is their brother. All they know is that this man is the most powerful leader in the most powerful nation in the world. And he's inviting them into his home to eat with them. Can you imagine that? Remember, these guys, they're shepherds. They're, they're, they're from the countryside. They're, they're nobodies. They're from Cana. And this would be like Joe Biden inviting some random farmer from the middle of nowhere, Kansas, to come over for dinner. Right? This is a big deal. Like the, the leader of the most powerful nation in the world says, hey, you farmers, would you come in? I've got a meal for you. Like, wow, these guys, they're, they're losing it. They're going crazy, right? And this is key. <clears throat> it is Joseph who extends the invite for them to dine with him. Just as Jesus was the initiator in taking the first steps uh, that we might dine with him and to dwell with him also. And Joseph today will continue to find incredible parallels with him and with the person of Jesus Christ. And devotionally, we'll see in the brothers a beautiful picture of ourselves. We are undeserving sinners who have an opportunity to dwell in the house of the Lord, to sit and to eat at the king's table. And so, in, in, in John chapter one, uh, we, we see this beautiful picture uh, you know, the John's disciples, they're, they're following Jesus. And whenever Jesus turns around and asks, you know, what seek thou? They respond and they say, Rabbi, where dwellest thou? Right? So John's disciples, these, these men, they start following Jesus as walking around. And Jesus turns around. He sees that men are following them. And he says, what do you guys want? And they say, Rabbi, where do you dwell? And he says unto them, come and see. And they came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day. And this is Jesus's response to all that seek him. Anybody that seeks Jesus, anybody that's curious about Jesus, anybody that, 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 that just like slightly like, what, what, what is it with this guy? His response to you is come and see, explore me. You're invited to come and to dwell with me, right? And here, this perfect type of Christ is extending an invitation to sinners, those who would kill him to come and dwell with him. Again, Joseph's brothers, they, they, they were going to kill him, but instead they sold him into slavery. And now he's inviting them to come into his home, to dwell with him and to sup with him. And so as we consider what it looks like to dwell and to sup with Joseph, we'll consider devotionally what it looks like for us to dwell and to sup with Jesus. He has extended an invite. And what are we going to do? What, what are we going to answer? Jesus' invite to all of us is come and dwell with me. According to the book of Revelation, chapter 3, he's addressing the church at Laodicea. And he says, I stand, in verse 20, at the door and I knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. That's Jesus' call to everybody. I'm sitting at your door. I'm knocking. 
Would you just open it up? I want to, to, I want to sup with you. I want to sup with you. Jesus desires to sup with you. And Joseph desired to sup with his brothers. Uh, but let's look at the response. In verse 18 of chapter 43, it says, and the men were afraid. Man, Jesus, or Joseph wants to sup with them. He wants to have them over to his home. He's ordering his manservant to, to slaughter a calf, to, to prepare a meal. And he's inviting them into his home. And the response in verse 18 is, the men were afraid because they were brought into Joseph's house. And they said, because of the money that was returned in our sacks at the first time, are we brought in that he may seek occasion against us and to fall upon us and to take us for bondmen and our asses, right? They're fearful. They're scared that the reason that Joseph is inviting them into his home is to get over on them. Man, he, he's going he's gonna to fall on us. He's going to slay us. He, he's going to take us as bondsmen, uh, as servants, as slaves. He's going to steal all the goods that we have. So the brothers, they're very, very concerned that Joseph is inviting them into their, his house, that he would take advantage of them, right? And what we find in this passage is that they're condemned by their own sin, by their own guilt, by their own shame. They're fearful. Just like in Exodus 20, verses 18 through 21, whenever God shows up on the mountain, Israel's like, we, we can't approach that, right? Moses, you go ahead for us because God is holy. Surely he will devour us, right? We, we don't deserve to be in his presence. Similarly, you know, just as we are guilty before the Lord, Joseph's brothers, they, they realize that the price that they have to pay for their sin by, by being in front of a holy judge is a price of death, right? Man, surely if we come into Joseph's house, he's going to kill us. Why? Because we're guilty, right? In Psalm 15, it says, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? Right? Who can be here in this holy place? In Psalm 24, verse 3, it says, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand? In his holy place. Who can be in this place? Who deserves? Who's righteous? Who deserves to be here? God is holy, and we all stand condemned and guilty before a holy and a just God. Who are we that he should be mindful of us? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. These brothers are so scared. Their lives, their, their, their conscience condemns them, and rather than accepting the wages of their sin like men, Man, what do they turn to? They, they turn to their own works, to their own self-righteousness. That's what springs forward. Watch as they try to cleanse themselves and justify themselves in the gate of Joseph's house. Right? He's inviting them into their home. and They're worried, man, he's surely going to kill us. Why? Because we're guilty. Their conscience is condemning them. Our key point number two is that we do not gain access to the house of God based on our own righteousness and our own reputation. Right? And for some of us, this is just like a no-brainer. Yeah, of course. I know I'm a nobody. But man, this is good stuff, guys. They're entering into Joseph's house. We're entering into the house of the Lord. And they're condemned in their mind. I am unclean, right? Surely he's going to kill us for the trespasses that we've done. <clears throat> and so none of us enter into God's house based on our own righteousness or on our own reputation. In verse 19, it says, and they came near to the steward of Joseph's house, and they communed with him at the door of the house. 
right? They're scared to go in. They're hanging out at the gate with the steward and they start making their case. They say, oh, sir, we came indeed down at the first time to buy food. And it came to pass that when we came to the end, that we opened our sacks and behold, every man's money was in the mouth of his sack, our money in full weight. And we've brought it again in our hands and other money we brought down in our hands to buy food. We cannot tell who put our money uh, in our sacks. And he said, peace be to you, fear not. Your God and the God of your father have given you treasure in your sacks. I had your money and he brought Simeon out unto them. And the man brought the men into Joseph's house and gave them water and they washed their feet and he gave their asses provender. And so here in this passage, we see that their minds condemn them, right? They know they're guilty walking into Joseph's house. And before they can enter into the gate of his house, they start pleading their case before the servant, before the steward of his house. They say, hey, this is our situation. This is what happened. I, I promise you we're just men. We, we, we brought back the money that, that was put back into our sacks and we, we brought extra money so we could buy food. And you know they're building their case before him. These religious brothers, they're, they're, they're going through these penances. They're, they're making their offerings, their money. They're explaining and trying to justify themselves before the steward of the house. Y'all, they're, they're trying to prevent, present themselves as worthy to enter into Joseph's house. You see that? Hey, you know, don't get over on us. This is our case. We're actually innocent. They're, they're trying to show themselves as just before the steward of the house. They pull out their cash. They want to buy their way back in, and it won't work. The steward, he won't take their money. He's not impressed with their story. He's not impressed with what they have to offer. How does the steward respond? He gets straight to the root of the issue. He tells them, peace be to you and fear not, right? These are Jesus's words to us. Jesus calls us to peace. He calls us to fear not. He calls us to greater faith in God. Just as the steward here in the midst of their fears points them to their God and the God of their father in verse 23. And guys, this is like the single most profound thing that I saw in the passage. This is so, so cool. The steward in Joseph's house, this random servant in the land of Egypt, knows the God of their father. Like, how cool is that? This guy, he's a random servant in the house of the prime minister in all of Egypt, and he knows the God of the father, of their father, right? The God of, of Abraham, Isaac, and, Joseph, uh, and Jacob. And so this is so, so cool. Uh, he knows the, the, the God of the covenant, and he's able to point them back. He's able to point these brothers back to the God of the covenants. These religious brothers, these people that are relying on their own strength, on their own works, he's able to point them back to the God of their father, right? That, that they might find peace. And if you remember, before their father let them go away, he prayed a prayer of blessing over them. And he prayed that El Shaddai, that the almighty God, would grant them mercy, right? They would find mercy uh, at the, the almighty God. And here we find peace and mercy as their father prayed. How cool is that? That while Joseph is in the world, again, Egypt, as we study the Bible, is this beautiful type of the world system, right? It's a place of bondage. Israel, their, their sons, they come into Egypt and they become slaves and servants and they, they come out of bondage of, of slaves uh, of sin in the book of exodus and they say this beautiful picture of the world in egypt and you see that in this passage joseph is in the world he's in egypt 
but he's not influenced by the world. Instead, he's an influence. He's a person of influence in the world. He lets his light shine. There are men in Egypt that know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because Joseph was there. Can the same be said of you? Can the same be said of you? There are people in Egypt. There are men in Egypt that know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because of Joseph's testimony, because he was a leader in that city. Can the same be said of you? That's my prayer, you know. Uh, I work, uh, I go to uh, work and, you know, I'm studying the Bible right now with one of my coworkers and it's just been sweet, you know. Uh, I'm praying that he would see that, that what I do, it's not just to, to go through the motions, it's not just vain religious activity, but man, God's changed my life. And I'm excited to, for him to see that for himself. Uh, but remember, these brothers, they brought money in order to justify themselves. And while the money was rejected by the steward, that same steward that rejected their money, that rejected them trying to, to pay, them trying to, to work, to earn favor, to enter into Joseph's house, that same steward, he gave them water that they might wash themselves, right? And as we study the Bible, we see that water is this beautiful type of the word of God. We get the passages like Ephesians 5, verses 26 to 27, and see that we're to cleanse and to, to sanctify them before, before presenting the church uh, to Jesus, that they get to be washed in, in, in the water of the word. And guys, this is beautiful. He wants a, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle, that should be holy and without blemish. He doesn't want our cash. He doesn't want our righteousness, but he will cleanse us with his word. And, and we can contrast this passage to, to the gospels and we can see Jesus entering into Simon's house. You know, these brothers, they, they enter into the house of Joseph. They, they, they try to pay, they try to bribe, they try to, to explain their way into his house. They try to justify themselves. And the steward says, man, I, I see right through that, you know. Why don't you just like thank, you know, the God of your father. And then he brings forth water that they can cleanse themselves. Like, how, how cool is that? Yeah, before entering into this house of Joseph, they're, they're cleansed by the washing of water by the word. We can contrast this with the life of Jesus. He entered into to Simon's house and he received no water to wash his feet, right? We contrast this to the life of Jesus. Right before he died, he humbled himself to wash the feet of his own disciples. And so why don't we gain access to Jesus? Why don't we gain access to Joseph's house based on our own righteousness? Key point number three, because every guest is washed and refreshed when they enter into Jesus' house. It's not based on our righteousness. It's based on his. Notice that, that Simeon joins them in verse 23. And if you guys remember, Simeon is one of their brothers and uh, last time they were in Egypt, they left their brother behind. <laughs> he got thrown into to prison. And so they, they leave their brother behind. They go back home. And now they're coming back. And before they enter into Joseph's house, what happens? Well, their brother, he's freed from prison. And what is that? He's freed from the bondage of sin, right? To, to enter into the house of Joseph, this beautiful picture of Jesus, to enter into it before he can enter into Joseph's house, their brother is freed from the bondage of sin, from this oppression as they enter into Joseph's house. These are beautiful pictures. In Psalm 24, it says, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? Right? This is where the, the men feared. Right? Who are we? Surely we're going to burn up in his presence. We, 
we, we are sinners before a holy and a righteous God. We don't deserve to be in Joseph's house. Surely he's bringing us in here to kill us, right? Surely our sin has found us out. Surely this ruler in Egypt is seeking to, to, to kill us. Who are we to ascend into the house of the Lord, into the hill of the Lord, into his holy place? But verse 4 says, he that hath clean hands and a pure heart. That, that's who gets to do it, right? And, and ultimately, in the psalm, we see that that person is actually Jesus Christ. But guess what? If we're in Christ, that's us, y'all. It's so good. And that's why he, he, he cleanses us from all of our unrighteousness. And we get to walk in his righteousness. He shall receive the blessings from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. The psalm speaks of Jesus. It's only in Christ. Uh, verse 25 of this passage says, And they made ready the present against Joseph and came at noon, for they heard that they should eat bread there. And when Joseph came home, they brought him the present, which was in their hand into the house, and bowed themselves to him to the earth. And he asked them of their welfare and said, Is your father well, the old man of whom, of whom ye spake? Is he yet alive? And they answered, Thy servant, our father, is in good health. He is yet alive. And they bowed their heads and made obeisance. And he lifted up his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and said, Is this your younger brother of whom you spake unto me? And he said, good, God, be gracious unto thee, my son. And Joseph made haste, for his, his bowels did yearn upon his brother. And he sought where to weep, and he entered into his chambers and wept there. And he washed his face and went out and refrained, refrained himself and said, set, out bread, uh, set on bread. Okay, so uh, here in verse 25, we see uh, that they are preparing to present uh, the, the, the present that their father uh, had, had gotten from the land of Canaan. If you remember in the beginning of the chapter, uh, Jacob, Israel, uh, he prepares this present to send to the, the leader of Egypt. And so we see him take these nuts and these fruits and and the balm and, and all these things in this vessel. And he's sending it with his sons to present as a present to the ruler of, uh, to the ruler of Egypt, right? And so they're, they're getting ready. They're, they're presenting this present to the ruler of Egypt. And you can just imagine how embarrassing this would feel, right? These guys, they're, they're farmers. They've got nothing. They're, they're from, you know, the middle of nowhere. And they're coming in to the leader of the most extravagant nation in the world, that when everybody else is struggling in famine, they're chilling out on piles of, of corn, right? And they come in and they've got this measly gift to present to the ruler of Egypt. And it's got to be embarrassing, right? I, I think about um, uh, just the place I work. I work at a jewelry store, right? And, and where I work, it's really, really nice jewelry. Like it's high-end luxury jewelry. And this would be like me coming in one day and, you know, the, the owner of my store, uh, her grandfather started our, our jewelry store in 1910. And so she grew up in the jewelry industry, right? Like she was born, you know, around diamonds and, and gold and, and luxury. And she's had and does have some of the nicest jewelry that you will ever see in your life, right? You know, she was just born into it. And so, you know, for... Her 15th birthday and say get in the car like let's get a gold chain like i don't know you know but she's got everything right and it's extravagant and it's luxurious and it's awesome but it'd be like if it was her birthday 
And, you know, I made this necklace out of pipe cleaners, you know, I fashioned it and I brought it to work. And I was like, hey, happy birthday. Like, I made you this necklace out of pipe cleaners. It would be so unimpressive, right? Why? Because she has all this really cool, luxurious, expensive gold and diamond and platinum, like really, really good stuff, right? And so that's Joseph's brothers coming to him. Like, hey, I got some nuts for you. It's like, <laughs> cool. You know, it's just unimpressive. But that's what they're bringing before him is this measly gift. They brought it all the way from, uh, from Cana, and they're presenting this gift before Joseph. If you look at the passage, Joseph never even acknowledges the gift, right? He, he doesn't care about the gift at all. He doesn't even mention anything about it. But what's he do instead? He says, how's your, how's your father? right? He doesn't care about the gift. He give, cares about the gift giver. He, he's way more concerned with souls. He's way more concerned with their relationships. Is this your brother that you told me about last time that you were here? How, how is your father doing? Is he in, in good welfare? He could care less about the gifts, right? He's concerned about their persons. He's concerned about them, about their souls. He's not impressed or concerned with the gifts that we have to offer but he's concerned about those who bring the gifts, right? And, you know, I think about my son. My son is not even two months old yet. And man, this guy, he can't impress me with anything that he could give me. Like, the only thing he can give me right now is a poopy diaper. <laughs> it's not very impressive. I don't care about the gifts he can give me. But, man, when I see him, like, I just get full of joy. Like, it just, ah, that's my son, right? And this is Joseph. He doesn't care about their gifts. Man, he cares about them. He cares about their father cares about his brother, Benjamin, right? And man, that's, that's God, that, that, that's Jesus. He's not concerned with what we can offer him, but man, he cares a lot about souls, right? He doesn't care about your performance, but man, he cares a lot about that relationship that we have with him. Therein is he glorified. Um, you know, we look at this and in the passage, Joseph just completely breaks down. He has to leave the room because he can't hold it together. His bowels yearn for his brother, right? And he just starts weeping and sobbing. And man, this is good. You know, even when we don't feel the love, like even when we don't feel that connection, that love with Jesus, even when we're fearful because, man, our sin has found us out, surely he's going to kill us if we go into his house, right? Even when we're inadequate due to our works, hey, you know, we've got this money, you know, we've got enough money to, to pay for bread. We, we can pay you back for the money that was left in our, in our bags before, like, we're, we're good, man. You know, even when we feel inadequate in our works, man, don't you know that his bowels yearn over you? And man, to the point of tears, he weeps over our souls. He cares for us, right? It's so good. Here we see that Joseph, they, again, his brothers, they don't know it's him. And so their brothers, they're worried that this guy's going to kill him, Right? They, 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 they don't feel the love, right? We, we see as we study out the passage that, that Joseph has been speaking roughly with them. And so they don't feel the love from Joseph. And yet, man, he's yearning. His bowels are yearning over them. And he's sobbing and weeping because he loves them so much. So I don't know who you are. I don't know where you're at. Maybe you feel distant from God. Even when you don't feel that connection. And even when you don't feel the love, do you know that Jesus his heart is yearning over you to the point of tears. And he loves you. He loves you. 
I'd be remiss not to mention that Joseph's dream is fully fulfilled at this point. Right? Finally, all 11 of his brothers are present to bow and to make obeisance to him. And Genesis 37, uh, at the beginning of the study of Joseph, we saw that he had two dreams. Uh, and, you know, we, we see that his brothers are going to bow before him and make obeisance to him. And we see this really fulfilled here in this chapter. Uh, our key point number four is that Jesus is like a good grandma. He gives food abundantly, right? Man, you know grandmas, they can just, just serve it up, right? Like, it's, it's good. So Jesus, he's like a good grandma. Joseph's like a good grandma. He's like my aunt. Yeah, some of y'all were here when my mom and my aunt came and made food for y'all. Man, aren't they the best? Like, grandmas, they will pile it on, and you just got to keep eating, right? It's so good. And that's, man, that's, that's our Lord. That's Jesus. Uh, verse 32, and they set uh, on for him by himself and for them by themselves and for the Egyptians, which did eat with him by themselves, because the Egyptians might not eat bread with the Hebrews, for that is an abomination unto the Egyptians, which is actually a really cool point. Like because of this, the nation of Israel and Egypt don't commingle while they're in the nation of, of Egypt. And so that whole nation is able to come out preserved in the time of the Exodus. This is a cool point. Uh, verse 33, and they sat before him, the firstborn according to his birthright, and the youngest according to his youth. And the men marveled one at another. And he took and sent messes unto them from before him. But Benjamin's mess was five times so much as any of theirs. And they drank and were merry with him. And so here in the midst of famine, we see these lowly shepherds go from famine to feast, right? They're on the come up. They made it. They go from famine to feast. Now they're eating like kings. Literally the most valuable thing to consume amidst this time was bread, was grain. And here we, we see that Joseph's just freely giving it, right? They're, they're eating bread. They're eating good. They drank and they were merry with him. In, in the same way that, that you and I benefit from the Lord's table, we hunger and we thirst for his bread, the bread of life. The brothers were merry in their fellowship with Joseph. And, you know, we get to end with some serious questions for us to consider. You know, do you rejoice in good food and fellowship at the house of the Lord? Right, man. Again, Jesus, he desires to, to dwell and to sup with you. He says, man, I'm knocking at the door. If you would just simply open it, man, we're going to chow down. It's going to be good. And whenever you leave, you can leave and be merry. But y'all, you know, we can go through the motions. We can, you know, get in the Bible. We can go to church and we can go through the motions of religion and we can leave and leave no different. Like we, we can approach this thing and leave and, and not be merry. That's an option, right? And so the question for us today is, man, do you actually rejoice in the good food and fellowship at the table of the Lord? Do you actually have time where you can come together and, and break bread with him? And do you leave Mary? Do you leave filled and rejoice knowing that you, you had quality time with Jesus, the person that cares for your soul? Right? We have the, we have the ability to, to, to go through these motions and to leave no different. But we see in this passage that Joseph's brothers, they came, but they, they ate and they drank with him. And they were merry in the fellowship. They were merry with him. It's so sweet. Uh, as we end, I'll, I'll point out uh, Joseph's second test in drawing his brothers to repentance. 
The last time we met, we saw that he, he held one of his brothers back and he put him in prison. Uh, that was the, the first test that Joseph used on his brothers. And the test is, I'm going to take their brother. Will they come back for him? <laughs> right? They sold me to slavery, so maybe not, but let, let's test them out. If I, if, I, if I keep their brother and put him in prison, will they return for him? <laughs> right? And so pretty easy test. They, they passed it. They came back, right? Barely. And now here we see him testing them by showing favor to Benjamin. The passage says that he gives Benjamin five times as much food as he gives the rest of the brothers. And if you remember, Joseph, there, there's bitterness, there's jealousness, and there's envy on the life of Joseph because he was the favorite brother. He was the preferred brother. He's the one that got all the favor and they hated him so much that they almost killed him, right? And so what happens if I show that same kind of favor to the other favorite brother? To Benjamin, the one that my father didn't want to let go, the, the other son of the favorite bride. What if I show him favor by giving him five times as much food as everybody else, right? And so we see a second test put before his brothers that are met to draw him to repentance. And we'll see the third and final test uh, the next time that we meet. And so we're going to call it quits now. It is 839. Uh, and so we should be wrapping this up real quick, huh? But I'd love to pray for you. We covered a lot of grounds, and there's a lot there. And guys, as much as we covered, there's so much that we couldn't even touch. Like there's, like there's so much gold in here that we couldn't even get to. And so I encourage you, man, sit and, and feast, right? We get to sit at the table of the Lord, and it's good. Uh, but it's what you make of it. Some of us, we, we come, we approach this place, and we're fearful for our lives because we know that we don't deserve to be in his presence because our conscience condemns us. But y'all, he wants to wash you. <laughs> Right? You don't come in because you're just. You come in because you're cleansed by the righteous one. Right, And we come in, and y'all, as much as we want to give gifts to God, he's got the greatest gifts to give to us. And all he really wants, he doesn't want your gifts. He wants your relationship. And so it ends with abundant food. And we get to leave merry and happy because we had fellowship with who? The righteous judge, with the king, with like the one who gives abundantly. And so I challenge you, if that's not a reality in your, your life, if that sounds so foreign to you, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, man, come with me. Like, I mean, I'm excited. I'm not just excited for no reason. Like, I ate at the table, and it's good, y'all. Like, it's really good. And so if you're even a little bit curious, the invitation is come and see, right? So if you have questions, come grab me. Uh, we're going to end by just a, a short season of prayer. I'm going to pray for you, and then we're going to clean this whole place up together. Sound like a plan? Cool. Lord, I thank you so much for this time. Uh, I'm bummed that we can't break into groups, but Lord, uh, I don't know, your, your word was edifying to me. And Lord, I pray that this is encouraging, that it's convicting, that, that it's doing a work in our hearts and our lives. And Lord, that you would teach us and grow us through it. And so Lord, as we dismiss, if anyone has questions, uh, man, we have leaders here that, that want to meet, that want to, to pray for one another, and that, that want to answer any questions that someone might have. And Lord, I pray that we can see this and we can see that, that you have an invitation for us to come and to sup with you. And Lord, that we would take up that appointment. Uh, Lord, you give just abundantly. And so Lord, I just pray that all of us could partake in that and that we could leave uh, just Mary because we had fellowship with you. And so Lord, I, I just pray this in Jesus' name. Uh, amen.